Other podcasts don't compare to Better Buddies. I was trying to put you on the spot and make you start it, and then you just kind of sat there. Oh, oh, no, <laughs> no you're kidding. You, <laughs> that was kind of the I point. Anyways, I thought all you right. Could wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said go for it. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, nope. Uh, so, welcome back, listeners. I don't can't think of right now. How does RJ start this? What do you say? Say hello and welcome back uh, to Better Buddies. I think that's how he starts. Hello and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm this you're is, RJ, yeah. We uh, RJ, we he. It's yeah, a bit of a somber start to the uh, podcast here. RJ was horribly maimed in a in a uh, squirrel incident, and uh, yeah, we don't we really we don't really want to go into it right now. But no, uh, it's the squirrels it, thought he yeah. was nuts, and then they went after him. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. uh, All right. Well, so he's uh, not here. He is unable to attend. So the real hosts of this podcast have taken over yes truly the right? the andy richter and the conan o'brien of the show and we'll leave it yes up i get to, this uh, reference <laughs> more like the andy richter and the uh, jordan schlansky but yes uh <laughs> yeah I'm, ex- I'm excited i'm ready yeah um, so if you can't tell by our voices i guess we should introduce ourselves i'm calvin this is james, james. hello everybody hello all right. When my, let's start it off with our icebreaker for this episode. What weird thing would you buy if you had a billion dollars? Um, <laughs> um a lot of yeah, yeah. Fuck. I was gonna say Jeff Bezos's wife, but she's a lot more expensive than that. Oh, go for go for uh, uh, go for um. <laughs> Oh, how am I? Bill Gates, Melinda Gates. Bill They're Gates, breaking up. Melinda Gates. I know. I, maybe I should. They're getting uh, divorced. There you go. Now's now's your chance. Slide into those DMs. Really uh, see if I can get some the Gates I Foundation. Saw, I saw a funny post on Reddit that was like, "I don't." Is it really a coincidence that Bill Gates is uh, breaking up with his wife at, um, after the Queen is single for the first time in fifty years? Hey, <laughs> he's getting about <laughs> to make the most successful merger of all time. Uh, Microsoft no, I, of England. Yeah, yeah dude, <laughs> he's, he's completing what the British never could. He's he's truly their man on the inside. Um, uh, I see. Uh, I uh, I saw some people like celebrating because obviously with all this shit that's happened in the past year and a half, and with some of his business dealings in the past, there's always a bunch of shit swirling around about bill gates which like you know like i'm not gonna maybe entirely dissuade from people just like making fun of him because i think it's funny but i would say like it's definitely in bad taste to maybe harass the guy while he's going through a divorce i don't know like it hits me in the same way where when people were like celebrating that like rush limbaugh died which like i totally get it like the guy was an asshole yeah but you know, I'm not- I, yeah i agree with that that's just poor taste like you should never someone yeah. died that even if you disagree with that person it's still a human life and when you're celebrating like yay they're dead that kind of oh. goes against 
everything that you're so-called standing for, if you're <laughs> celebrating someone's death or like bad things happening to people that you just because you don't like them. And it's yeah. like, how can you, and a lot of these people are be like, wait, what's wrong with America is we don't have proper discourse and being respect i am yeah. so glad that guy's dead he was a horrible person. it's like <laughs> how could you say both those things in the same sentence yeah no and it's like it's like even beyond uh stances but i because i absolutely agree with that like even beyond you know I, either political side has their whole like empathy stance that they'll take according to whatever principles they divine it mm -hmm. from even beyond that it just shows anybody else that like you have no limits or like it, it sounds really bad but like overarching like floor level moral principles it's like oh fuck this person will kill me and like then make fun of me and it's like <laughs> why would i show you any mercy <laughs> like yeah. it just sets yeah. the table for a really really bad like discourse because if people are like if you're not even gonna like pay me respect um or pay someone respect when they're like in the grave which is like that should be a sobering moment for everybody because everyone's mm -hmm. gonna end up there in one way and it should be like oh like okay then i'm not gonna care like what happens to you i don't know i i wouldn't say that necessarily but like i, I would go wrapping back to it uh yeah. i would i would i would try more for uh bezos's girl i find her a little more uh attractive i yeah. can't remember what her name is yeah i don't remember um, but, but you're right. She's she's like the sixth richest person in the world after that divorce. Yeah, dude. I mean, good job. Seriously. I mean, who are the other female billionaires? It what's well, going to be not for they're way further down. Like yeah, I think even like Kylie Jenner cuz she isn't I think she's technically she's only like, a like Yeah, but like barely barely a billionaire. Oh, like barely. a couple billion. Uh <laughs> no, I I don't know. I I think she is only at the 1 billion mark. <laughs> Again, only uh <laughs> yeah no so what would you what, what like is there any material things you would buy or would you go for more um, of the i'm gonna go with an ephemeral I, I think i think i've said this on the podcast before but i'll reiterate it or i'll reinforce this um i would buy i would start construction on a family castle i would totally build <laughs> nice yeah, like a family home, either out here in Wisconsin or I was, I was gonna say where. Yeah, yeah, maybe like out, maybe out in Montana. Or the only problem would be securing like water and land rights potentially. Yeah. Like if you have a billion dollars, you can probably find. I feel like you could find a way. I no, remember we were looking up land. I don't remember. I think it was just late at night or whatever. And I was like looking up land out west for the heck of it. And like, that's right. Yeah. It was like yeah. probably garbage property and. Water rights is an excellent point. I don't know if they it, like all that stuff, but it was like, oh yeah, two hundred acres for like eighty grand. So oh, if, you, if you got like a billion bucks, like it was, it was probably like garbage land. You couldn't do anything with it. It was probably landlocked, so you couldn't even hardly access it, um, if at all. Uh, but yeah, billion bucks. You, I yeah, you you got to buy a mountain. Put your castle on top of a mountain. I know the only issue is like I think I've said it before is upkeep, you know, because you build something like that, you're gonna have to pay like <clears throat> I mean, guess if you build a castle, I don't really know like what property taxes mean to you anymore. But like I, I don't know, yeah. like you you probably will have to pay property tax, but even like 
or material. So that's at least your concerns. <laughs> yeah, just like general upkeep and like making sure it's okay. But that's also, I don't know, like that's the whole point of building a building out of stone is that like it might get kind of like bank in there, but it won't really mm -hmm. degrade. Like that's that's the Not whole for a long of, time at least. <laughs> yeah, like a castle is that it takes a long time for it to fall into actual disrepair. Yeah. Well, you'd be like Jeremy Irons and just go find a castle and renovate it. Fuck, is that what he did? Yeah, it's super oh. cool. You should look up photos of his castle. Genius. Genius, man. Yeah, because oh. it's got like the old school like stone and stuff that you're talking about, but like it's got just a touch of modern like living so that you're not living on a rock. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean if I was, I would want to buy one of those castles, like the one at the end of Holy Grail, that's out in the middle of like a like a small like fjord or like a swamp almost. Yeah, like a wetlands. Yeah, no, that's that'd be that'd be horrible. I want to be able to go outside and wander around. And wetlands suck. It's also fair. Being able to fish though, like right out from the back of your castle, would be cool. Like just take well, a little. You just need a, you just need a river. If you're out west, you could get a good mountain stream with some good mountain trout, and then that's you could. Also fair. Uh, yeah, you just go learn to fly fish. All right, I just pulled up Jeremy Irons' castle, and he's, like, on the coastline. His castle is – here, let me post this image yeah. for you real quick. But it's it's a weird-looking castle because it's, like, just a rectangular box. But – Oh, like shit. That's, yeah. So it's – um again, I, anyone listening, I would recommend looking up his castle because it's pretty cool. It's got a little wall around it. And the main castle keep isn't really that big. It's decent size, but it's like it's it, it's just like a rectangular box going kind of straight up. And I think I'm looking at some of the photos. It's like pretty much one room per floor. It's like a big open room. But I do yeah. love. Well, I like the color, like because the actual wall itself is that kind of mottled, like gray or earthy, like gray and brown and stuff like it's that. Kind that it's kind of terracotta looking. Yeah, and then the actual keep is like, yeah, like a cream or a clay orange type. That's pretty. Wait, so did he build that keep then? Um, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't read the article in a while, and I'd have to look. I think it was in ruins, and he restored it. That does okay. look like he rebuilt the keep. Because it is a different stone than the walls, but it could be also oh, painted God. to restore it. But yeah, I just posted a photo of the inside, and it's like very homey looking, and like it's oh, not like your traditional castle. It's got like an old school medieval style to it, but it's also just a home, and it's cool. I would definitely get like a nice big living room with a fireplace, like comfortable stuff, like what he has. You get a wine cellar. I'd put a fucking, I'd put a chapel in mine for sure. And go, uh, we can go to Sunday mass library. Absolutely. Yeah. And there, and he's right Look on the this coast. guy. He's living the dream. Well, he's Jeremy Irons to be fair. <laughs> he deserves it, dude. Yeah. It's called, <laughs> do you see what his boat is called? I think it's called the willing lass. That's a nice. good name. Very <laughs> smooth, Mr. Irons. Very smooth. But yeah, no. Um, look up Jeremy Irons Castle. The top result is like a Vanity Fair article that it's like an interview with him, and he talk and it and there's like there's like thirty pictures on here. There's a gallery of like thirty pictures that goes through his his stuff. You would love his office, James, with the right big old writing desk. Oh, hold on. I, I'll post that for you so you don't have to. Uh, but 
Yeah. All right. So castle with your billion, you're going to build a castle like Jeremy Irons here. That's what I'd say. Yeah. That's, that's actually pretty tempting now that I'm, that I'm looking up his like castle. It's like, Hmm. Hmm. That would be, uh, that that's, that'd be pretty cool. Cause it's like, even if the, even if the world ends or the country collapses or whatever, which, which seems uh, as always both <laughs> inevitable, like immediately inevitable and prolonged for yeah. eternity. Um, <laughs> at the very least, at least it's like, I have a castle. Like I'm set. Like, I <laughs> yeah. Did, you already I have did, the castle. I did what I wanted to do. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. That's so cool. Uh, Fuck. Yeah, what about you, dude? What would you do with a billion dollars? What would you buy? What would I do with a billion dollars? Well, the first, I would. I, the first thing I would do is I would definitely be that that guy, and I'm be like, I'm gonna set up my financial future. But basically, I would. I would just basically talk to someone and get it set up so that I could put away a certain amount that I could live off. Of, that I would basically be guaranteed. Like, I don't know, like 200 grand salary a year or yeah. even more. I don't know what would be realistic. I mean, I have a billion bucks. That's a million a year for like, what, 100 years. Um, mm -hmm. Right? No, that's 100 million. It's 1,000 million. So, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> math. It's uh, it'd so be, much money. Yeah. No, you could live off 10 million a year for 100 years. Oh my God. Right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so for 50, 60 years, you could live off of like 10 million. So I'd probably put away like a good chunk to do that. But then I would, my first year with it, I would definitely spend like the year just traveling the world. Like yeah. I, I just doing whatever I wanted. Like I've always wanted to just kind of, be like, be able to just be like, eh, I'm just going to go do this now and wander off. And besides obvious anxiety, like stuff with that, that's like terrifying. Yeah. One of the biggest things that stops me from doing stuff is just, it's been drilled into my head with like money and always making sure you have enough money and like you have your nest egg and emergency fund and you're not going to, and and I gotta like pay off all of this debt and student loan, and it's like, bro, and it's just like, no, I just don't want to have to think about money. Like they, they, people always say, like, oh, money can't buy you happiness. It's like, yeah, it doesn't buy you happiness, but it eliminates a lot of worries and concerns. <laughs> it can buy you, it can buy you peace of mind in some way for sure. I mean, it's yeah. in many ways. In a world that runs on money, it absolutely can. <laughs> yeah. Also, what's that quote? Money may not be able to buy you happiness but it gets you a better class of enemies i've never that before i mean that yes. sounds about right i think it's funny that uh because like given like our two personalities like you're breaking up i can't hear you still nothing You, sir, are just a robot. I can't hear a word you're saying. If you disconnect, the recording should still be going. Hello, sir.
I cannot hear okay. you. I'm back. Okay. Am I back? There you go. Now now I can hear you. Right? Yep. Hello. All right. All right. Good. Okay. I'm so sorry. Like I said, the, the Wi-Fi here where I am right now sucks. But I was saying, uh, what I was saying was that I think it's interesting because, like, I would consider out of the two of us in a way that um, you're the more... Um, in some cases, generally introverted person, and I'm the more, in some cases, generally extroverted person. But uh, what we'd each do with a billion dollars is like almost the opposite of either of those positions. <laughs> you like would, my, you'd, you'd get a castle goal and live in a hermitage, and I'd just go out into the wide world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's really funny. Um, I wonder if that's almost like if that could be a genuine like psychological test or evaluation you could give people that like when they are given money or I guess any certain degree of like liberty um, in one way, materially at least, like they're liable to explore um, like certain uh, personality things almost become opposite because they were, they were, they behave that way because of limitations. And when those are relieved, um, they, uh, kind of like i don't know i don't know i don't know how to put that i don't know enough about psychology because i'm a fucking midwit but <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i just think that's funny do you have a list of like where you would go like sites or countries or stuff like that uh, i want to go everywhere pretty much in the world there's places obviously that i like more like obviously my first place might be japan for like yeah. a month uh but it would be like all across Japan. But I also want to really explore the rest of Southeast Asia. I'd love to go to China, South Korea, Thailand. I want to go to Vietnam, but I feel like I can't as an American. I had family members who went to Vietnam. They actually liked I, it quite a bit. Yeah, no, I've seen a lot of people online, like Americans, like going to like Vietnam and talking about how great it is. And it's like really cheap and all this stuff. It's just like, ah, I just... I don't know that I, I would just feel so awkward and like being <laughs> there. Yeah. It's I, just yeah. like, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be like going to Iraq or Iran in some way. I mean, it'd be kind of like that similar feeling. Yeah. In a but way. It, it, it'd be so much different because even in, uh, in Iraq, at least it's, uh, we, we, there's the idea at least <laughs> of like, Oh, we did help. And like, we did kick out, a dictator it, there's a lot deeper nuance to all this stuff yeah. obviously yeah. but like there is still that like oh we got rid of the regime and installed democracy uh mm. whatever but again masters but like we did try and rebuild and we won whereas vietnam we just got our butts kicked out of there and like also, our motives yeah. were proven to be almost completely like disingenuous, both yeah. towards these people and like what we were telling our own troops and the people back home. Like, like even was, more so it, than Iraq. Like, yeah, well, and it was, and, you know, it's like Vietnam is just a different animal. I would go to Singapore. I think. Oh, Singapore would be really cool. I would. I, I've heard that's a very interesting. It's a very quickly developing um, country, mm -hmm. um, and it's become a very unique. <laughs> Yeah, it's come. It's become a very unique um, geopolitical and commercial center, um, both for good and for bad reasons. It's yeah. basically a prototypical like Blade Runner city, from what I've heard. <laughs> like, 
place. It's a massive shipping hub. It is like the shipping hub in Southeast Asia. It's a bunch of pirates. (laughs) Cool. Maybe I can (laughs) join the pirates. Yeah, like Carl. I saw a pretty cool documentary on YouTube by this like British dude. I can't think of his name. Louis Thoreau. No, it's more modern guy. Um, You you might recognize his name if I I just can't think of it. But he he doesn't he goes and explores piracy around the world, and he goes to the three major hotspots: so Somalia, the um, South China Sea by Singapore, and then like out by uh oh what is it it's it's not ghana it might be ghana am i in nigeria maybe it's like on that it's on that west coast of africa apparently is a huge piracy spot and it's like all different forms of piracy and it's fascinating and he speaks with a somali pirate and like does an interview with one and he goes to like a bunch of the pirates in the South China Sea and goes to their camp and they like demonstrate their techniques for him. And like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So I'd look it up, looking up piracy on like a documentary on YouTube is pretty cool. Oh, Hey, we should um, move on from <laughs> try yeah. and maintain a semblance of this podcast. Yes. Uh, yes of course. But if anyone's heard James and I speak before, you'll know that there's no freaking way we'll keep on point. Yeah. Um, a little bit like <laughs> it'll be it'll be stumbling but it'll be cute i promise yes. <laughs> all right so now we're going to move on real quick to our better buddies recommend where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy um i have nothing right now so james take it away <laughs> i have one i've been reading uh a very very good book called the second treatise of government it was written by john Walk. Nerd. Um, I know. I know. I'm a dork. I'm so dorky. I read books. Uh, um, uh, it's like one of those girly uh, memes you find online. I just want a guy who reads books <laughs> and knows how to dispose of a body. Uh, no, but uh, I can do all of those things. I'm working on the third one, but I will get there, ladies. I promise. Lots of lie. Lot. Yeah. Um, in both forms of the word Uh, no I've been reading the second treatise of government by John Locke Um, it's very very good it is one of two treatises obviously Um, the first treatise centers around Locke basically trying to he he goes point by point through this one guy uh, named Robert Robert Filmer who is another uh, corresponding or contemporary of his, um, like a corresponding intellectual who defended uh, absolute monarchy on the basis that, um, uh, the, like, by basically saying that monarchs were the lineage of, like, Adam and that by being the lineage of Adam uh, gave monarchs, like, absolute power over their subjects because people needed to be subjected to a kind of, like, strong rule if they were going to do anything productive. And monarchs having the lineage of Adam was essentially the perfect um, defense uh, for that absolute monarchy. And in so, was he super religious? Um, I don't that from like that Adam is like, and you're like the son of God, like direct line, and the difficulty is like they were all really religious by our standards. Um, Like, 
Ilmer in some capacity was, yes, but Locke also uses God as a way to defend his political philosophy. So when they say God, you really have to interpret it just more as like what we would say is just kind of like basically, um, or just the idea of there being like nature is probably closer to like what we would say. Um, but Locke goes point by point in the first treatise, basically saying like, this guy's stupid. Like you can't trace the lineage of Adam. If there was a lineage of Adam, that would be self-evident. There is no self-evident lineage of Adam. And there would also be one lineage, meaning that like, there's only one group of people who can rule and we haven't found those people. So clearly they're, they're like, you can't defend absolute monarchy on that basis. Um, but the second treatise is where Locke gets into a lot of his really famous stuff, like um, the state of nature, the state of war, property rights, um, very interesting stuff. Uh, really. And, and he, this was written in 1689. Um, this treatise is what one of the major inspirations for, the Declaration of Independence the and the Constitution and a lot of the other laws uh, that forms the United States. Um, so I think it should absolutely be like almost required reading in most schools. Um, I'm surprised yeah. that it is not. Um, and one last thing I found interesting because when I've heard about Locke, I've heard him talk about like property rights. Um, I know he's compared with, or he's like the opposite of Hobbes. He he is kind of um, the difference is like people try to pit him and Hobbes against each other, but they're basically saying the same thing just in different ways. Hobbes, like when he wrote Leviathan, Leviathan is is about like believing in a in a strong like a a, a people electing a strong sovereign, um, like a king or a committee to rule them. But with Hobbes, it's not like um, with other absolute monarchists, it's not like, well, you have to do whatever they say. And even if like you don't agree with it, like tough tits, like they're the king and, and they know better than you. Hobbes was like, no, if the king or committee does something that like put like puts the people in jeopardy, like the social contract is invalidated. You're like you don't have to listen to them anymore. Um, and Locke basically says the same thing. He ends the second treatise of government with like a whole chapter basically instructing people how to throw their like overthrow their government um because he believed that a people and their community or or a people a people and their government were two separate things like anytime people started to conflate those two things and say like well the political like actual government is more important and has other needs that supersede the people Locke was like, yeah, that's a really bad sign. Like, you should probably just, like, control, alt, delete, restart the computer, and uh, <laughs> make new we do it. We got to do over. This yeah. one didn't work. <laughs> Get rid of it. Next. Um, but one thing I do want to say, because he, he gets uh, his property rights is what a lot of people will go to. And you'll hear, like, especially I will hear sometimes mainstay or more pop conservative like pop right-wing figures um, in the United States, at least talk about like, well, John Locke and property rights. And <laughs> I think it's really important to note that like Locke, um, when he was talking about property rights, like he wasn't just talking about like material property. Like he considered your own person, like your body to be your property. He considered like the product of your labor to be your own property, which, which I was, 
which is fair. Yeah, which ironically puts him at odds with a lot of like the more quote unquote like capitalist or like neoliberal policies that these guys <laughs> would like go for. So like whenever like you hear someone like that start to bring up lock and property rights, like listen to what they actually have to say and hear if they how they answer any questions about labor, because that's going to really determine whether or not they like actually know what they're talking actually about. Actually know what they're talking about or just yeah. hitting the points from online. Yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah. I, feel like that's the, I feel like that's what most people do when it comes to philosophy is that they hear somebody say, well, this is what John Locke says. Uh -huh. And they're like, oh. Well, this is what John Locke says. It's like, well, you didn't actually, you didn't actually read John Locke, so you're just, you're just saying what someone else says, and then it's just no. a horrible game. Telephone until you get to the point where it's like, well, actually, Locke says that we need to kill everyone named James because there was a really bad king well, named James. Locke said so we're killing James. <laughs> I guess. Well, it's it's funny too because really quick, and then I'll be done. Like. Hobbes has something in the beginning of Leviathan where he basically he basically says the same thing. He says like you have to watch yeah. out for uh, what? No, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he says kill James. Um, <laughs> that's the opening. Yeah, that's the dedication. But he he says um, in the beginning pages of the book like you have to watch out for intelligent people or people who are using like intelligent words or words that they've learned in a book because sometimes those words uh if the the men who use them don't know what they actually mean or where they come from or or like things like that those words just become a currency of intelligence that's ultimately hollow like they're just used for the sake of their name alone and not because anyone actually understands what they mean so I think that's a very like what you said is a point well taken, and where it's like you got you got to fucking read this shit, which makes me so upset. <laughs> you you listen to a lot of politicians on TV, and it's like I don't believe any of you have read since like the first grade. So I don't know why you're up there right now, but no, I would I would highly recommend not just for Americans, but for most people living in the modern world, read the Second Treatise of Government, at least some part of it, because it has in some way affected your life in one way or another. But uh, yeah, yeah. So some heavy <laughs> philosophy recommendation from James. I was trying to think of something that I can recommend, and I I really can't think of anything. Uh what have I been? I haven't really watched anything. Um, oh, oh, oh! Actually, I got one. I don't know if I've recommended this before or not. So if I have, eh, screw it. But um, this weekend's and first half of next week, they are re-releasing in theaters up slightly remastered video and audio uh, for its 10th anniversary, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. No way. Yep. Technically, the 10th anniversary was last year, but for obvious reasons, it was delayed. Yeah. So yeah, Scott Pilgrim versus the World 10th anniversary edition it's been remastered for dolby video and dolby atmos sounds um i guess like um edgar wright and like the dp and the original editor and the original sound guy all came back and worked together on redoing the video stuff for dolby theaters redoing the audio and upping it and all that stuff um and i i think i'm gonna get a ticket because i that sounds like that just sounds awesome to yeah. go see that film 
in theaters. But yeah, I recommend Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I've only seen the movie. I know a lot of people have read the graphic novel and hate the film because they're like, ah, oh, it's so different. And it's like, I don't have that bias because I've only seen the film and I love Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's a fantastic film. I do think people take it too far and don't necessarily understand the message, but uh, I, I think it's just a fun film. That's why I like it. If you're trying to pull deep meaning from it, I think you can, like you can from pretty much any work of art. But at the same time, there's some people that try and pull too deep of meanings from Scott Pilgrim. It's, it, yeah, I don't know. Every it's work, a great film, though. Yeah, every work of art kind of has a ceiling of interpretation for sure, where it's like you can only draw so much from it or claim mm-hmm. that it stands for so much before, like, I think people will have a definite right to be like, ah, you might be reading a little too much like into that. I don't know. But I agree. I, I like Scott Pilgrim as a, um, it's like a fun, like, I, I don't know if I call it like bubble gum, but it's a great, honestly, it sounds really bizarre to say it's a very great little time capsule of like, um, the, the mid two thousands. Yeah. The nascent, like, uh, well, cause it came out, what, 2010, 2011, well, 10 years ago would have been what? 10, 2010 then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great little time capsule from that time period. Um, also there's a ton of people that went on to become comic book movie stars. Like it's got, what is it? Brandon Ruth. I don't know. Ruth. Yeah. Who played both Superman and Superman returns and, What's his face in the CW universe? Oh, and then he Adam. He plays like Adam in the CW universe. It's got Brie Larson, who's Captain Marvel. It's got uh, Chris Evans. Evans, who's Captain America. And uh, yeah, no, it's got like an insane cast. And yeah. it, it did horrible in the theaters, which sucks. I believe it because, like, it sounds really bizarre, but, like, back then, that type of movie would have been, like, people would have been, like, that's so, so weird. Like, it's, yeah. like, it sounds bizarre, but it's, it's like, a weird film. It, like, to be fair, it is a kind of out there film. It, it is, like, relative to what we see nowadays, though, it's pretty fucking tame. Like, it's pretty, uh, um, it's not like there are definitely some parts that are and that's not to say like i don't think it's like watered down i don't find it like i think um i think edgar wright did an awesome job incorporating the 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 video game quote unquote aesthetic in it um especially because like there's so many ways for that to feel kind of cheap or plastic mm-hmm. but i think he really did it well no i think he did a great job yeah um but yeah, I, I I like uh Scott Pilgrim versus the world. There's a song called uh Scott Pilgrim versus the World Ruined a Whole Generation of Women. Everyone should say <laughs> I, was trying, I knew you were gonna bring that up. <laughs> I uh, forgot I brought that up. I yeah, I yeah, I'm not entirely endorsing the song, but I, I would say it, it makes a decent turn, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, yeah uh, I'd probably recommend that film. It's got good it's got good actors and actresses, like the talent is great, mm-hmm. the story is fun um yeah. the visuals are great because it's edgar wright and he's a master mm-hmm. at all that at, at visuals and timing and all that stuff um i thought it was really funny there's some great great bits oh, um i will never not like just break down laughing at the scene where scott goes flying out the window and <laughs> knives at the door and is like is scott here and it's like uh 
And he just dives headfirst out a window. He just left. Wow. Well, I <laughs> and love she, can obvi- she can obviously see him. <laughs> it tracks him with her eyes. Yeah. And then he walks behind her and she looks with her eyes. And it's just like. <laughs> well, she's like, she's like, after he jumps out the window, because then Wallace, like, as he's moving, closes the door and shuts like, it. Partially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, he's like, ah, oh, he just left. And she's like, Really? And you can see Scott reach in the broken window and gla- grab his coat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah, sorry. And then, yeah, then Scott walks behind her and you can see her look with her eyes and shit like that. Yeah, so no, good. It, it, he just yeah. does a great job of those little visual gags. And the music's great, too. I really like the music. Yeah, yeah. The the um, the um opening is really fun where they start um with their bands playing that song and as the credits roll over. I just... Oh, yeah. Realized, yeah. like, that's, like... I, I've been watching a lot of older movies recently, and this is something I wish people did more. Like, I think I want more credits to be... Like, I want there to be more opening credit sequences. You want to bring back the opening credits, like, sequence? Yeah, I think not only is it a nice way to acknowledge the principal players and main makers of the movie but it can really help set the tone for a film um instead of just jumping right into something yeah yeah because it's usually some sort of like thing happening but not in enough of a thing that it distracts you i always remember it from because it was definitely an older school like it's older movie kind of deal um so a lot of john wayne films would open with a credit sequence and it would be just establishing shots of wherever they are so it would be like it it would just be generic wild west scenes and then you would like work way, your way into the town and then the the movie would begin or you'd be out on a ranch somewhere and it's establishing shots of like just stuff happening and then you're kind of brought into it without just suddenly like boom wild west go yeah <laughs> yeah and it and like even those like really help set the the tone um as maybe kind of like not it's not uh you know as kind of like understandable or obvious as they may be it's like oh well of course we're watching a western of course there's going to be shots of like the open west but that still helps you like you said like get you into it a little more rather than like you also said like boom just like getting launched into a story you know which can be interesting on its own merits but still yeah, and the music would usually help you because you could tell from the music if it was like a lot more lighthearted, mm-hmm. you got that mood kind of like subtly set, or if it's a lot more energetic, or if it's very somber, you're already kind of subconsciously being primed to be in a specific mood for when a scene begins yeah. without having to do like a lot of like actual movie stuff yet. Well, because so, no, yeah. as long as they're not insanely long, honestly, because the James Bond films always did that. And I thought they oftentimes just were too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it might be just, I, I, I don't know. But the way the James Bond films did it, it was always hit or miss for me. Because uh, it, it, some of those, it, if, if they weren't, they felt like five minutes long. And it's like, okay, this is a little much. Yeah, well, because it was always, weren't they usually centering around, at least as the series went on, um, that was usually when they played the opening song, right? Like, Yeah, they would play the whole song. They would have a different yeah. song for each film, and like that'd be a big center point. And then there was usually some kind of psychedelic, like, visual thing going on, and it was never like an actual... Uh, like, it wasn't actual shots of something. It was like oh. a sequence. It was this whole title sequence. 
And you could sometimes get stuff from the film through that sequence. Um, Cause sometimes if you paid attention, there'd be subtle things that would be like that played into the movie's theme. Or I know in, what is it? Die Another Day, the one with Pierce Brosnan, um, that entire se- title sequence, the background shots are actually him being tortured in North Korea. Um, so that one I think does a better job of it because throughout the entire tor- um, sequence, you're kind of shown torture scenes in a opening sequence kind of way with the music playing. That way does it decent, but other ones are just like, a lot of them are, will be just like like women dancing, like the figures of women, because they'll be like weirdly animated or visually played with in some way. And it's like these women figures dancing and doing stuff to this sequence as like names fly by. Well, and the nice thing too is like, even if they like, because yeah, because sometimes if they're long, especially ones in the 60s, it's like, I get it. Like, you, you know, <laughs> how to make a lot of pretty colors and like interesting shapes, like, let's move on. But, like, it does help sometimes because if someone's, like, running late to the theater, then you have, like, a little bit of a buffer zone for opening credits, much of the same way that you can time it with, like, trailers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. So I do have something I wanted to talk about yes. that um, is kind of an inverse uh, of a recommend because it okay. – it, it would have been my recommend because the last two recommends of mine have been Netflix original series. Um, Cause I genuinely like those. They usually do a pretty good job, I think. And they put out a new one that should have been right up my alley. Okay. It's called Yasuke. Okay. It's based on an actual samurai of African origin who served under Nobunaga in feudal Japan. No way. Um, okay. Yes. I only know that because I just Googled it to pull up the, some show information. And the first thing that pops up is about Yasuke, who is, it just says was a samurai of African origin who served as a retainer under Nobunaga and was rose to some decent prominence. But there's not a lot known about him. Okay. Uh, so it's very limited information. But so this ne- new Netflix original series called Yasuke about african who comes to japan and becomes a samurai under nobunaga and it's an animated series so all so far all laying down to be right up my alley right you got samurais anime japan it's all there it's such i i don't know what to think of the show it's just everything is out of left field and not in a good way I think this, the storytelling is just like, I, I it wasn't for me. I'm not going to say it was garbage, but wasn't yeah. for me. And the animation style was okay. I could have gotten past that if the story was better, um, but it wasn't. So it also earned my like, yeah. Um, but basically, so spoilers for the Yasuke. For, mm-hmm. I've only seen three of the six episodes because that's as far as I could get um okay so do you care if i talk about it oh go for it yeah all right so spoilers to anyone who's listening who cares about this and wants to watch it um but yeah so it opens with him he's like a he's like a fisherman kind of guy at this just random village and there's like and there'll be like flashbacks oh no actually how it opens right so it's no um nobunaga if you don't know he was try he was one of the first to get really close to no, um unifying all of japan but 
he was forced to commit suicide because of like a, a bunch of betrayals and it was basically an assassination and there was a big battle and he was he lost and so he committed seppuku and all that stuff um so it opens you're in kyoto and it's like on fire there's a big battle and a bunch of samurai and then a thousand foot tall mech starts stomping through mm. and shooting giant freaking laser beams and it's like okay what um and then this guy uses like weird blue magic to fight the mech and somehow punches a giant freaking hole through his chest and you're like what and then and then there's like some weird they're not zombies but they also might have been zombies and some zombified hand thing directing the bad guys and the they overwhelm blue magic guy and then you see nobunaga have to kill himself and it's just like okay what and that might be an interesting hook it's not terrible but it's like then you get into the film and you learn more and it's like 20 years later and yasuke is just in this village as a fisherman as a drunk because he was there and he feels like he failed nobunaga because he had to kill himself and then he's just like a fisherman and he goes to the bar and there's like this little girl who's like sick and you find out that she's also got the magic stuff that's why she's sick but like it starts breaking out of her and at one point like her friend is like who wants to be a samurai and he's got like the wooden sword gives her he's like oh you can try lifting the wooden sword and her magic comes out and just breaks the wooden sword in half and it's obvious blue light and it's not even supposed to be like oh it's blue light so you know magic happened but they didn't see it they show them reacting to the blue light but then the kids are like that's weird what happened why did it break I'm not going to reference this blue light at all and not and then like you have to the they convince Yasuke that the, the young girl's mom convinces Yasuke to take him up river but there's like warring clans going on so it's dangerous to leave the village and they're going up river and then all of a sudden the river freezes over this mech this like 12 foot mech flies down into the sky and it had like an ice beam and it's like a robot and it's like an ai oh and also the mongols are what brought the ai robots in their invasion but somehow when the mongols try to invade they brought all of these these mechs but then the japanese somehow were still able to defeat them which means the mechs couldn't have been very good but then the japanese stole the mongols tech and started making their own mechs so now they have mechs, but it's also still feudal Japan tech. And and then there's like this weird Russian werebear chick who's like nine feet tall. And she's also part of these mercs. And then there's like this weird, supposed to be like sexy Grim Reaper-esque ninja chick who just like is like always up in trees and she shows up. And then there's this other like African guy who does this weird, who's wearing like Buddhist be prayer beads and does weird like shadow magic thing and they like fight and stuff happens and then there's a white priest that shows up and oh, yeah. he actually hired all these mercenaries to kidnap the little girl because yeah. he wants their power because he wants to rule all of the catholic church in europe because yeah. apparently there's some sort of prophecy about a kid with power and it's like what and uh, he's actually evil. And then at one point he pulls out brass knuckles inscribed with Latin phrases. 
and starts beating the crap out of people to torture them for information. And it's just like, what is all of this? It seems like that show was written by somebody who, like, people who are, like, cosmetically familiar with what anime is without having any idea how to actually structure a show or, like, what draws fans to an anime to begin with. Well, it's like they just, they were like given a budget and an anime budget and they're just like, all right, I want mechs. I want ninjas. Cause there's a flashback where they're fighting a rival clan where Yasuke is like leading some samurai to fight a rival clan. And the rival clan are all like super stereotypical ninja dressed, like not in the black, not that ninja, but like kind of like uh, uh, Naruto-esque with like the headbands and the sword and like straight up. It's just like, all right, that's just stereotypical like ninja-esque clan yeah. outfit. And they fight, and oh yeah. Also, the the priest is like torturing Yasuke, and then all of a sudden, like the, there's two two of the mercs are like just like chatting, and while he's torturing Yasuke to figure out where the little girl is, and then all of a sudden, these like veiny tendril things shoot out of the priest's arm and go under like Yasuke's skin, and one of the mercs, or one of the mercs is just like, "Oh, the priest is a mutant," and the other one's like, "Well, that makes sense." And I'm like, "It does? What do you mean he's a mutant? What does that mean? There's mutants in this? That's just a thing? What? Like?" And then he turns into this weird grotesque monster thing, and it's just like, "What is happening?" It literally, it literally sounds like. I'm not gonna lie. This show sounds the reaction you're having to this show sounds like the reaction I hear a lot of other people having when they just sit down and watch an anime to like begin with. It's kind of funny. Like people get really confused because <laughs> all this shit gets like thrown at them, but it's kind of shitty because I feel like telling the story of Yasuke, like it cut out the beginning scene, cut out all the mechs, all the supernatural bullshit. You ha you have like two ways I think to tell this story. Either go a more serious historical kind of realist drama where it's Yasuke grappling with like the, you know, the guilt of letting one of the most like prominent, famous leaders in all of Japanese history die uh, because he was unable to act and prevent it. That would be interesting. Open with him, yeah. a drunk fisherman. We follow him. He learns responsibility or whatever by taking care of this girl who could have some yeah. tentative relationship. Just like a normal sickness yeah. like that she has to travel to a doctor for. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like she has some tentative relationship maybe to the lineage of Nobunaga. He's given a chance to redeem himself by putting her on back in the throne or back in power or returning her somewhere like that. Or yeah. you do it in more of a cowboy bebop samurai shampoo vein where it's a little more loosey-goosey, a little more fun. Yasuke is like a drunk, but he's like a Jack Sparrow type drunk where he's kind of like done with his life, but he's also still got a sense of humor. And then you play it as him as this like vigilante um, warrior going around and it could be like an episodic thing where he goes around and he writes wrongs while still bearing the quote unquote like cross of his failure. And he has to do yeah. like, it's like, him repenting in a way and you could even bring in like a monster or villain of the week like he could meet with like the christian guy and they could have it out for an episode and mm -hmm. there could be brought or like he could be a recurring bad guy and is sending mercs and the yeah. mercs are the monsters of the weeks but he's like this overarching enemy yeah. no i agree yeah, there's so exactly. much cool things here that yeah. they could have done with this premise they just, for me personally, they just started throwing in every single thing in the kitchen sink. And it's just like, we want it all. We want it all. And it's like, the animation is okay, but it's not great. So it can't even fall back on just having awesome fight sequences. 
Like yeah. the fight sequences are fun, but they're nothing amazing. And then even beyond that, there's just some weird, like bad writing stuff. Like one aspect is like at one point right before Yasuke gets into the first real fight you see him in as old Yasuke and he's going to fight these mercs. He says a phrase in Japanese and it's like, okay, whatever. They just didn't want to translate that because everyone's talking in English this entire time. It's um, also everyone sounds white. There's like two people that I think sound that I mean, maybe not. I'd have to look at the cast, but there is a decent number of casts that are just white. It's like, how do you not? They're all Japanese. Why are they not Japanese? Yeah. Uh, but so Yasuke says this phrase in Japanese, and then the mech is like, the black samurai speaks Japanese, and it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. If you're calling out that phrase he says in Japanese, that means you're not currently speaking Japanese. That means everyone in Japan <laughs> is currently speaking English. Yeah. Because otherwise, what language have you been speaking in the entire time? it's like that little mis because it's a little mistake but it's those little logical wrinkles that like really show you that like you got to iron those out if you're making a problem yeah, like that's you know, an obvious one because they have a whole yeah. bit about calling out the fact that he speaks japanese i just don't like it, i don't know it sucks because it's like like you said there's a lot of potential it's like having a like a great um uh like a great outline for a really good portrait and then for coloring it you just take a shit ton of paint just throw it all over the canvas and it's like you just fucked it up because you wanted every color like all at yeah. once you know like and then in the nobunaga flat oh sorry yeah. the the nobunaga flashbacks they're also pushing this narrative of uh nobunaga being a progressive and like he allowed a black man to be rise to the ranks of samurai and it's like the old elites are like no he'll never be a he's not japanese he can't be a samurai he can't be and like they're discriminating against him and then yeah. nobunaga also has a woman in it as one of his retainers and they're like ah oh, the woman and the black guy will never be true japanese and that like is what turns his enemies is his like progressiveness and then also nobunaga is portrayed as being i think being a homosexual like i think he's straight is just being gay okay uh, and, and it's just like wait this all fine but then it's like you're they're trying to portray him as like this big liberal guy but then in the next scene he's a bloodthirsty warmonger and it's like that could have been like that that's not a dichotomy that couldn't exist like that could exist oh, um yeah. it just felt weird as a subplot to everything else well it's um, like i don't um, know it's like, a, yeah, I'm sure a 16th century African samurai would definitely hold very liberal 21st century progressive values. Like, you're absolutely right. I'm sure that guy would have a lot of good things to say or think about, like, women or Japanese people or whatever. I don't know. Like, that's the other thing, too. I was going to ask if it wandered into, like, more progressive stuff, which is, like, fine. Like, anyone who's, like, because I know that there's going to be a whole crop of people probably who are, like, can't believe, like course they're making it about a black samurai like everything has to involve a black person now it's like who the fuck cares like as long as it's a good story who gives a shit like when they also from like what i found it is very 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 loosely based on a real person well and like and then it's like hell yeah i mean one of russia's greatest writers was was a black guy like like one of their most famous like classical authors you know um so it's like that like who cares like let let's but it's funny because I feel like sometimes that progressive stuff like gets in its own way where it's like no one here is like watching the show is 
you know, the right people are not thinking like waiting for you to tally up a checklist of like, oh, good. He like has good things to say about women or like, oh, good. He's like black or whatever. It's like, I just want to watch a good show about a guy who's like dealing with with like his own problems and, and is encountering people. And you know what? Yeah. Like to be fair in 16th century Japan, like discrimination is obviously something that guy would have to deal with. But like when you go mm-hmm. to go out of your way to be like, look how like this guy and Greta Thunberg would be best friends. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> like I don't give a fuck. Like I just want, I want to see a good show about a guy who's dealing with like problems that are contextual to his person psyche his environment and like beyond that like let's not try to especially when it's like it's already so outlandish so trying to also put in like more quote-unquote serious like political themes doesn't make any sense to me like at all but it just felt like too much it was just they kept adding more and more and more and there's like three more episodes and i was like i kind of want to know what happens but I also just don't care. And it's hard because there's just like so much stuff. Well, it's like there are shows like like Violet Evergarden that deal with people who are like that deals with the problems of disability. Like she, she encounters people who are like just prejudiced against her or at least afraid because of her. A little, little bit, a little bit. Hands and shit. Like <laughs> she has to move through the world. I mean, at the very least, because of all the things she's gone through, she's basically like, I mean, she's kind of like autistic because yeah. she's like, she just doesn't. Well, she's just, she was in the frame of that. It's supposed to be that she was orphaned and suffers from like PTSD from being mm-hmm. orphaned in a war. And then also as a young child of like being 12 was also thrown into the special forces. Yeah. And like for what, it, like it's a very kind of forced plot, but that's like the only thing you have to get past in that force stuff is that they somehow were were okay with her becoming like the best soldier as a 12 year old girl in the special forces. And it's just like, "Mm, (laughs) I don't know, but (laughs) but that's like what that caused her to be like developmentally challenged is because she had a like kind of horrific upbringing. (laughs) Yeah. And that show manages to tell a very, I would say like sympathetic, uh, tender, Mm -hmm. um, complex and, and very, I would say, like as real as it can be within in the context of the the world of the story, like as real as it can be, story about her and what she goes through. Like there are ways to do it. Um, and fuck, if you want to make an anime with like you know mechas and zombies set in like 16th century Japan, it's like you fucking go for it. But like, yeah, doing that, like then you have to you have to like maybe sacrifice some things. But no, yeah, I, I you can't I, have everything. Oh, you gotta, yeah, you gotta know like what stuff you want to keep. Um, because if you just try throw the whole buffet at people, they're just gonna be like, mm-hmm. "That's a lot. I don't fucking want any <laughs> of it." Actually, but yeah, interesting. All right, all right. Well, let's see if we can't get in at least one or two bits of advice here at the end. So, yeah. our last segment here is gonna be how to be a better buddy. We give some real, some advice, some real advice, mostly humorous advice, but mm. always with a nugget of truth. Um, I believe RJ has provided us here with some questions. I believe they're all from the Ask Men subreddit, but if not, these are all from message boards online that our, RJ has spent countless hours scouring the <laughs> internet. It's for you guys. 
Hell yeah. Just for you. All right. So we're going to skip around because I'm in charge today. Oh, yeah. uh, um, all right. Here we go. What do you get for people who refuse to tell you what they want? More information. My sister's birthday is coming up and she just says to surprise her. Hope she likes cactus candy and a lava lamp. I I mean, why not? Like I would say, um, uh, what what is that one trick that people do when someone won't say where they want to eat? It's like uh, you just throw out something. You're like, I was thinking of going to Culver's, and then they'll be like, All right, that sounds good. Um, but I don't know if you can do that for gift giving. I would just say, yeah, like. Yeah, people usually like some type of candy and some type of small gift. I mean, that's usually, and it depends on the relationship. You know, yeah. it depends if you're getting something for mom or a sibling or you know your significant mm -hmm. other or something. But I would say, um, depending on what you know about them, like get them a fuck, get them a painting, get them a book you think <laughs> they, you'd think they'd like. Yeah, like you know something yeah. that gives like a little bit of memory and value. You know. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you throw out the like, oh, I don't really care. Surprise me. Well, then it's your own fault. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. It's just like, they tried, they tried to get more information and it's just like, well, it's up in the air. I'd be happy with cactus candy and a lava lamp. If I just didn't say anything to somebody and they got me that for my birthday. That's something I like, don't eh. have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So if you don't, if you don't say anything, Kind of on you. I mean, the person would, uh, depending on the relationship, should know something. But you're right. Candy is usually a good, safe gift. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. Let's go for two more real quick here. Mm -hmm. um, why don't a lot of men like massage massages? Almost every woman I know would be down for a massage, but almost none of the men I know would want one. What's the deal? So I guess my first question on that is you're talking about professional massages, right? You're not just like offering your friends like, hey, uh, want a massage? Because yeah. it's like, mm, that can get kind of sexual. And it's just like, eh, maybe you don't want that with your friends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, maybe, you know, it's one thing maybe if you guys are like playing sports or something and you're like, hey, dude, can you get this knot out of my back? And your friend just goes at it with their elbow. But if you're sitting on the couch at like nine on a Friday, <laughs> friends are like, hey, you want to give each other massages? It's like, I, I mean, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's like, I mean, more power to you if you're like, if you have that relationship with your friend. But yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a very special relationship with I, your friends. And and I think a lot of guys typically don't have that relationship with their other guy friends. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I like, I, I love massages. Like I love massages. I've ha only had, I've one. never had like, I've never had a professional massage, but I've heard great things and I would totally be down for a professional massage. I've only had one before, but it was like amazing. It was like one of the best feelings ever. Um, and it just makes you want to like, like clean yourself up even more you know what i mean um because i <laughs> yeah. did it like last year like early last summer um the pandemic and stuff when i was like smoking pretty heavily and eating pretty shitty and getting drunk like most nights so i was just like kind of a slowly degrading wreck and getting that <laughs> massage made me like so i was like oh my god so i was nice. I forgot I can feel like this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I would say like even uh, I, I don't mind like 
other people who aren't professionals giving me a massage, but obviously it just depends on like the relationship and the context. Yeah. Like, it, it really just yeah. depends what you put on it, but that's also difficult too. Cause people like, that's how some people get kind of creepy where they're like, come on, there's nothing like, it's not that weird. And it's like, well, if you have to say it's not that weird, like, yeah, like, I mean, maybe you don't understand subtext, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, you might be talking to the wrong guys. I like, I like massages personally, but that is just me. Yeah. And I'd be down to try one professional one. That is. Oh yeah. All right. And let's do one more. Uh, what is the best way to pick up men? Oh shit. With your legs. Yeah. Don't lift with your back. Never don't don't bend with your back. All right. Oh. I had to get the obvious joke out there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What 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 works for you, James? Someone's coming up to you and that like they they know the secret to your heart and they're gonna do something to pick you up. What is it? What's gonna work? Um you gonna buy like they they buying you food, they taking you somewhere. Oh, if a girl walked up to me and she was like, hey, uh, I heard that you read John Locke's The Second Tree. <laughs> do you want to explain that to me? I'd be like, I would love to do that. <laughs> no, um, do you want to have an in-depth conversation about Plato's allegory of the cave? <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and your response would be just like, do you want to get married? <laughs> I got to evacuate. Um, I mean, it sounds really dumb, but like if you, so if you're watching a guy from across the bar and if you eavesdrop a little bit, like let's say you're really going all out, you see this guy at the bar, he's really, really cute. You want to go and and really try and swoop him up. Listen to what he was saying. Listen to any conver- bit of conversation you might be having. Eavesdrop. And do some recon. Yeah, see if you can pick up. I mean, you're, you're a woman. You're good at this. Uh, see if you can pick up. Wow. Uh, they are. Wow, snakes. <laughs> snakes. No, but they are good. Like, women are really good at being observant, I think, way more than guys are during, like, social situations. So, like, use some of your feminine wiles. Listen in. See what you can tell. It, it, like, if something comes up in the little snippets you're getting, there's a point of interest. Something that you see him being interested in. If it's sports, see if he mentions a sports team. If it's movies, see if he mentions like what movies he's talking about, what directors, anything like that. Books, whatever, you name it. And then go up to the bar and just figure out a way to like casually drop something like that in there. Like start talking to him. One, obviously. Don't immediately up to them and be like, so I heard you like the Washington football team. I also <laughs> like the Washington football team. Like, again, you're a woman, he's a guy, chances are he's probably going to start talking to you. Um, Like, if, if you just start talking to him. And then, like, slowly work in some stuff about his interests. Like, that for me is, is really big, because it's, like, really rare that I meet um a girl where I can, like, talk on some deeper level about the stuff that I'm interested in. And it's not, that's not a prerequisite. Like, that won't bar me from, like, having a conversation with you. I'm not going to be, like... Oh, you haven't read Ernest Hemingway, so I can't talk to you. <laughs> but it is like it's really cool to meet somebody who, at the very least, showcases a genuine, even if it is in some level, superficial interest in what you yeah. like to do. So I, I, I would say that is one of the best ways you can do it, because a, a guy will like worship you if you can not only like give him some well, work, 
Oh, like you know, he'll he'll really like it. It like it like yeah. it, you can talk I mean, about stuff. Yeah, know? I don't know that I'd use all the same words that you were using, yeah. but I would probably agree that just meaningful conversation would probably work for me too. If someone just actually genuinely came up and was just like, "Hey," and just like we just were able to like have a conversation, because if you can't hold a conversation, it ain't going anywhere anyways. Maybe you don't want other than the night, which is fair. But it's like, then you're kind of, that's like a different question, I would argue, because it's like, those are just two different approaches. Because if it's just for like the night, then that's like a whole other subtext thing that you're dealing with. Yeah. And if but if you're like actually yeah. trying to like, like go on a date with someone or start a relationship with someone, I think the actually engaging in a meaningful conversation is definitely the right way to start it off. Yeah, finding some way to do it. And I think especially being like active, because I've heard this both from like men and women that I've talked to where it's like, you run into so many times where somebody is like, you'll be talking to them and they'll be like, ask them a question. Um, and you know, a girl will ask a guy, a girl, a girl might ask a guy like, what do you think about that? And the guy will be like, oh, what do you think about it? Or the you know, <laughs> guy, a guy will ask a girl a question and he'll be like, what What do you think about that? And she'll be like, I don't know. Like, what do you think about it? Like, I don't know. It's like, I, I, like, it's I, that I, point. yeah, this is like, that's like yeah. serving you the ball in tennis and then you letting it pass you by and being like, I don't know. What do you think about that? <laughs> like, <laughs> you got to hit the ball yeah. back. Like, <laughs> it was a two-way two street here. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you're just gonna go. You might as well just go talk to a wall um, for all the conversation. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so with that, I think we are going to end it. We've been ranting for about an hour now. Uh, once RJ recovers from his uh, traumatic squirrel injuries, he'll be able to edit this and probably put this out on time. We'll see. Indeed, uh, Mr. But yeah, let's yeah. see if I can remember his thanks. Um, thanks, James, for being here. Uh, I had a good time with rambling about philosophy and insane anime stuff. It's always a good time. Uh, thanks to the band Problem of Interest for their song that I don't remember the, the song title or album, but I know the band's name is Problem of Interest, so Problem look them up. Problem of Interest, Living in the Moment, off of Cross Off Yesterday. Wow, look at this guy. He pays attention I, during I, the I, ending I, stuff. <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Twitter, um, at BetterBudCast. Um, there's a Gmail, Better Buddies. What is it? Better, Better Buddies. Bud, Buddies Bud. Better BudCast. Uh, is it Better BudCast? Let's see. I think I've emailed them before. Um, better, better buddies cast at gmail.com is the email. You can send your fan mail, hate mail, fan art, hate art. Still waiting on that hate art. That's what I want. I want to see hate art. Um, yeah. Yeah. So did I, did I cover all the plugs? I got the social media handles. I think so. Yeah. I think that's it. So last but not least, be a better buddy. Craig, you made it. Oh my God, he's here. God bless us, everyone. I think it, I don't know. It doesn't say to capitalize it on the website, but who cares?
that's the programmer <laughs> goof, and I uh, I feel for the man who did that. Yeah, didn't do an up equals ignore uppercase or whatnot. All right, whatever. Yeah. We're gonna get started with this. Ready? Yes, I am. Go for it. 